0: you're listening to episode four of mental the podcast i'm sarah norton i'm standing in the hall in front of my linen closet just the other day i tidied it up and reorganized it for the few months prior the thought of the linen closet and how messy it was had been a sore festering in the darkness of my mind. Add to that the 1930s glass knob on the door. It's broken such that if closed, it will not open without the aid of a butter knife. Therefore, the door is always slightly ajar in the middle of a walkway, inviting my toddler, or my mind, to open it further and rifle through its contents. As I reorganized it, I discovered a lost symbol of the depths of my postpartum depression. Two unopened products, Jamaican Mango and Lime Tingle Shampoo and Locking Firm Wax, both by Rasta Locks Twist. That's right, just before my diagnosis with postpartum depression, I had been planning to get dreadlocks. I had thought it through. I had purchased the tools. All that remained was the act itself. That's how bad it got, and I'm forever grateful that I got help. We fixed my mind. Now, we just have to fix that door. Lewis who wrote that quote about friendship and shared experience. Maybe you've heard it before. Lewis wrote, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. I imagine anyone can relate to that, but I think it takes on even more power when the shared experience has to do with a great struggle. I know that's how it seemed to have gone for me and for other women, as I've talked to them about postpartum depression. In fact, it was like that with all three of the women whose interviews feature on this episode. For Innes, it was, you had postpartum? My mom had it. For Faith, it was, you had it triggered by a traumatic surgery? I had postpartum after my C-section. And for Becca, it was, I've never birthed a child, but I had post-adoption depression. For each of them, I think getting to share their story built our friendship, and I think it increased their sense of camaraderie with other moms. We're going to start with Becca, the Beyonce of moms. Becca is a clear leader, yet with something glamorous and regal about her. She's beautiful, hardworking, the queen bee. This was one of my first interviews, and you might hear the sound of my baby boy cooing quietly in the background, or our kids watching Studio C. That's just the way it goes sometimes. Here's Becca. Okay, would you like to tell me about your husband and children? Sure. Um,
1: my husband and I have been married for 18 years. We have five children, all of whom have been um, adopted. Um, we adopted our first two sons from Guatemala. Um, they are 14 and 11 now. And then we had kind of a fall into our laps, spur of the moment, Didn't wasn't looking for it. Um, a domestic adoption that a kind of came our way um, and that's our our daughter who's six and then in 2013 we pursued uh, Chinese adoption and so we brought two a boy and a girl home um, in 2014 um, uh, who are what are non-biological twins that are now four both of them are four
0: great great Um, what does your typical day look like
1: <laughs> <laughs> Our typical day is so funny. It's um well, I'm a I'm a homeschooling mom, so uh I spend a lot of time at the house and just managing the crazy and the chaos. Um, the day starts with my husband and I waking up and having coffee and just having a little bit of time together. He goes off to work and the kids come down and we start the breakfast. We usually, if it's during the school year, we start the homeschooling routine. If it's during the summer, as it is now, they're running off to swim team, uh, first thing in the morning. And then, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, a. It's, it's like a beautiful chaos. It's, a, it's my beautiful mess.
0: <laughs> like I said, the queen bee. Becca went on to tell me about how it was actually before they went to bring her two kids home from China that this sort of veil of anxiety fell over her in almost like an instant moment. I asked her about what happened next once they got home. So
1: we got home from China. And there was jet lag, and of course there's all there's all of the, you know, trying to acclimate to the new time zone, and you've got these new family members, so that's going to stress out any family on a good day. <laughs> but again, for me, I was struggling with two little little people that we were introducing them to a new language, new sights, new smells, new faces, new foods, and... Um, so there was already a heightened sense of low level stress that was already happening. Um, kind of like overshadowing everything in the house and what had started before China as just an overall sense of like that veil that I discussed that I mentioned that veil that had been there felt now that it was suffocating me. It was not just a veil that was preventing me from seeing. It was actually a veil that was now preventing me from actually taking a deep breath. And I felt like I was drowning. I felt like I couldn't get my footing. I couldn't get my head around what we were doing. I would sometimes look down at these precious babies that we had just brought home and wonder if we had... I I doubted that we were the right family for them because how could I not, it was just really hard to be, to be so broken and to have two very, very, very vulnerable people that were dependent and not be able to be the mom that they needed me to be. And so, so for then um my my son, who came home from china um, had um, osteopathic um, orthoped he is not osteopathic my son, who came home from China has orthopedic issues on both his hand and his feet, and he required surgery almost immediately after we got home from china and so I had to come home from China and pretty much hit the ground running as her, in terms of medical surgeries and such. And my daughter, who had come home from China, was um, she blessedly took to me very, very quickly, but only me. And I was the only so I was the only one she would go to. So I felt once again just suffocated that here was this child that I couldn't leave because she wouldn't go to anyone else, but I had this son that needed me just as much, if not more, at the hospital and in surgery and. Joe had his surgeries, and I had to leave I had to leave my 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 daughter home um, crying basically with babysitters, which just' any new mom will tell you that just makes you feel terrible anyways to leave a baby crying when you have to leave the house but this was for extended overnight stays, and I was going to be gone for days at a time and um so, but we got through. We got through it somehow. I was able to just put one foot in front of the other. I, I just focused on one, putting one foot in front of the other, and we somehow got through. And it was about nine months after we got home that my husband finally looked at me and just said, "Actually, that's not true." My husband had been observing me all of this time that we had been home from China and he knew something was amiss and he tried as much as he could to help but he also had a full-time job um and he just kept asking he's like what do you need what can I do and he he hired a, a house cleaner to come in and help me with the housework he we had meals brought to us for several weeks we had um help with the homeschooling but he he just kept saying, what more can I do? What, what more do you need? What can I do to get you back? He just would say, what can I do to get you back? And it finally took, after repeated attempts of him just trying to problem shoot of what more he could do for me on the home front from... Hey, I wouldn't I wasn't even making dinners anymore. He was coming home from work after a full day's work and was putting dinners together for me. He was putting kids to bed for me. He was taking on all of my duties. I had a house cleaner who was cleaning house for me. And finally, I think he just put two and two together and he said at at one point he just told me he's like, "Annie, this is not this is this is beyond what You need help. You need more than what I can give. You need you need more than what a house cleaner can give. You need more than what a meal delivered to you can give. And he says, I really need you to go see someone. And so it just so happened that my my annual physical with my with my gynecologist was was well overdue, and so I I scheduled an appointment with her, and I happened to bring it up with her that and i and i was pretty frank with her and i told her i said i feel like i'm one phone call of bad news away from just totally breaking down and and making the newspapers if you get my drift i just thought that i might not i might not keep it together if one more if i have one more stressor on my shoulders Um, and she described it as my, as adrenal fatigue and that my, I was feeling tapped out. And the fact of the matter is I was tapped out before we even left China. I was running on, I wasn't even running on adrenaline. I was running on fumes by that point and, and grace and prayer and the prayer, especially the prayers of others. And, and it took my husband forcing me to go to that appointment and my doctor Knowing exactly what to do and prescribing um, a very low dose but highly effective anti-anxiety drug uh, of Lexapro, I'm on the lowest dose. Um, but considering how low, what a low point I was, I am a, I am shocked, but. So happy that such a low dose was able to turn my life around, Mm -hmm. and I noticed that she told me it was going to be about three weeks before I would notice a change. But I honestly, I honestly noticed a change within seven days, I think, of taking it, and it felt so good to be to get my life back. I I can't thank pharmaceuticals (laughs) strongly enough. Yeah. I. I am a firm believer in
0: better living through pharmaceuticals. (laughs) I'm going to interrupt the show to say that Mental the Podcast is proudly sponsored by Lexapro and Zoloft. Just kidding. It forever amazes me how medication for some people really gets their head out of the water so they can learn to swim again. I asked Becca how she was doing now. Was she back to normal?
1: Back to normal is such a, that's such a broad term. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very relative. Um, I've never considered myself, quote unquote, normal, even on a good day. Yeah. Yeah. But, but in terms of what I was accustomed to, um, I felt like that veil was lifted mm-hmm. almost immediately. And I was able to see more than just the step ahead. I, I had been so accustomed for, at that point, it had been a, a, a solid year of feeling like I couldn't I was fun, like I was fumbling in the dark. It felt so good to just have a sense of vision where before I couldn't see to, I couldn't see the forest for the trees. I couldn't see the I couldn't, I couldn't see the joy and the beauty of the simple joys of my children's life. I couldn't take I couldn't take enjoyment in watching my little guys pick a dandelion and offer it up to me. I didn't see the joy in that, but when I was on medication, I felt like the medication gave me the ability to not it 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 not only lifted that veil, but it gave me a sense of wonder back. It gave me those the ability to enjoy the simple pleasures of life. It gave me the ability to rejoice in the I've always marveled as a mom of being able to witness the world again through my children's eyes when they light up as a a bird flies past our window and they just find sheer and utter joy. Um, That was gone, you know, for such a long time. And then all of a sudden, with a very um, pretty negligent dose of medicine, I was able to once again reclaim that. Those, those little joys and be able to watch my children light up when a butterfly fluttered past them or when they looked up at me with their grubby hands and just wanted to be lifted up. Like I, My heart soared once again to see that I was needed, that I was wanted. Not that I was, when, I, when, the, when the veil was over me, it felt like a drudgery. To be wanted, to be needed, to be the only person that my daughter was would go to, mm-hmm. um, it it just it it wasn't enjoyable at all. It felt like um, entrapment, it felt like imprisonment. But after the medication, it gave me back the joy that I had always known and loved about motherhood yeah. up until up until I had struggled.
0: Wow. So I asked Becca how she responds then to other women she meets who may have a similar struggle.
1: As soon as I hear that someone <laughs> as soon as I hear that someone has been or is struggling with depression or anxiety or just that sense of overwhelming, I actually have to check myself to make sure that I'm not overwhelming them when I rush over and say, I've been there. <laughs> it, I actually yeah, yeah. have to be very, very uh, careful not to um, assume too much. Nobody wants to have a crazy lady come up at them and hug them and tell them, I've been there. You can get help. I, You know, I'm a sister in this journey that you're on. Um, nobody wants to be pegged as that, so I have to be very careful. But when I do when I do suspect that somebody is struggling with depression or anxiety, especially, um, especially women, um, but also men, but especially women, especially women who are, who have young kids. Um, my reaction is, is to, um, make sure that they know that this is not normal for one, that, you don't have to just survive. There is a, you can thrive, there is a better path. You don't have to just, you don't have to just languish putting one foot in front of the other for years on end until your kids are in high school or are off to college. But that there is that there is hope, that there is healing. So, when I, when, I, when I first find out that somebody, when I first discover that somebody is struggling, my, my inclination is to run up to them and put my arms around them and tell them, I've been there. I've been on the other side, though, too. Let me help you get to that other side. I don't want to see other women, other moms, other people um, spiral to a point of no return because there is so much help out there available and there is no shame, there is no dishonor in feeling the feelings that you're experiencing. It's okay, it's, I don't wanna say it's normal, but it's, some of these feelings though are normal, some of these are natural reactions to stressors, good stressors and bad stressors but that they don't have to let them conquer them, that that they don't have to let these feelings, these thoughts, these mental meanderings, or (laughs) mental gymnastics, as my husband used to call them, conquer them to the point where they can't function, that there's help.
0: One of my last questions for Becca was just for her to talk a little more about the concept of post-adoption depression specifically.
1: I don't know that there is a, I don't know that there is an actual diagnosis of post-adoption depression or post-adoption anxiety the way that there is for postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, However, I have traveled in the adoption circles for many years and have met many moms who have manifested the very same symptoms that I see in postpartum depression and anxiety. So I'm not sure what exactly, how exactly it differs because certainly with postpartum depression and anxiety, there is certainly a hormonal element that perhaps triggers, um, whether it's an imbalance or just body changes and suddenly you have this beautiful soul that you've nurtured in your womb and now it's outside of your womb and you're coming to terms with your baby growing up. That, and that's not something that adoptive moms have but but um adoptive moms have their own birth experience and sometimes traumatic birth experiences with their kids depending on the trauma involved with their individual children um some kids come to families through adoption after significant trauma um and lots of brokenness and let's face it adoption is um, only happens because of trauma there is no good there is no really good reason for adoption without you can't have adoption without some sort of sorrow and trauma um, it's usually happy for the for the adoptive family for for sure um, but those children and the certainly the birth families carry trauma for years and so in terms of in terms of why it happens, I'm not sure why, because I'm that's 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 above my pay grade to to be able to address why that happens. But I can tell you that from talk from my from my own experience and from other moms that I've talked to who have adopted, I think a lot of it comes from uh, perhaps. Uh, empathizing with your kid's brokenness in a way that you, when you really think about it, you know, two of my kids were left on a roadside when they were days old. And I don't know how anyone could hear that and not be affected by it. But then to be that, to be that person, to grow up and to know that, I mean, that's just, that's just something that nobody should ever have to encounter in their life and I think there's an element of your you kind of end up espousing some of your children's own trauma you take it upon yourself because they're so little and they're so vulnerable and you just want to make things right for them and you end up I think maybe by default just taking on some of that trauma and that brokenness onto yourself without, perhaps without even realizing you're doing it.
0: Becca brought up some really interesting points. Of course, there is a specific hormonal shift for a woman who has just birthed a baby, but there's a lot of hormonal flux for any mother going on, as well as an added stress and strain and sleeplessness. And like Becca said, often trauma I just had a normal final question for her. What would you want to say to encourage other moms?
1: You know, brokenness is part of the human condition. And we're not meant to be perfect. We're never going to be perfect until we are, we are safely on the other side of, um, of eternal life. And that it's not something, and that depression, the other thing I would say is that depression anxiety is not something to be ashamed of. It happens to people in the same way that car accidents happen to people. You don't look for it, you don't want it to happen, but you certainly want to get the help (laughs) when when you're bleeding out on the road. Um, there's no sense of denying the fact mm-hmm. that when you're, you're, you're a bleeding, mangled mess on the side of the road that you need help. And that mm-hmm. depression and anxiety is really no different. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to um, blame anyone for or blame yourself for. It just happens. And to get help when, a, when someone offers the help, suggests the help to not be offended if someone suggests makes that suggestion to them. I wish someone had reached out to me when I was when I was struggling and had just been real and honest with me and said this you're going to be okay, but you need to take some action before you'll be okay. And that action is not scary. It's the the that action of counseling or medication or whatever is whatever is prescribed is not. Um, it's not scary. It's actually some of the easiest things I've ever done in my life is to is to seek the help that I needed. Um, that I needed to to overcome this, and that and that honestly, getting your life back after depression anxiety, is. I I I wish I could ex- I wish I could bottle it up. I wish I could express it. I wish I could tell in words what it's like to have gone from a choking, suffocating veiled shell of a life. I felt like I was a shell. On the outside I looked fine, but on the inside I just felt nothing. I was just numb and to experience Getting that, getting, getting filled up again from the inside out, it just, it was just so grace-filled, so, I mean, medicinal sounds lame, but it's just, it just <laughs> felt, it just felt miraculous to get my life back from, from the inside out.
0: I was really glad I got to talk to Becca. It felt like we had been scaling the same rock wall and just hadn't known it. We'd been looking straight up, or down, and suddenly our hands had touched on the same climbing hold. This is something that made me realize I should be more intentional with the moms around me, and more aware that they might be struggling too, with postpartum or with another struggle. It was that new awareness, actually, that led me to check in with my friend Faith, when she was pregnant with her second I checked in with her to see how she was doing and how it had been for her after the birth of her first child, actually, and she wanted to talk. So I called her. I asked Faith to tell me just about her son's birth and if she could tell me what it was like.
2: Yeah, Um. so his birth was a uh, very exciting Um. A lot went on. Before I went into labor, we were told that um, my son was breached or he was in the transverse position. Um, So a couple weeks before I went into labor, I was kind of doing everything I could to try and get him to turn, to try and avoid a C-section. I even, like, laid upside down on an ironing board. Crazy stuff like that. (laughs) very uncomfortable, but we tried and he was stubborn and and decided he wasn't going to move after all that either. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So that was difficult. But uh, once we got to the hospital, um, when I was checked in by the nurses and everything, um, I was checked and by that time I was already five centimeters Um, but when the nurse checked me, she felt his foot right away. Um, Mm. So they ended up calling the on-call doctor because they needed to um, rush me to an emergency C-section, and um, they almost had to just fully put me under for it because the doctor wasn't getting there in time, and he was coming so quickly. Um, but thankfully the doctor got there so I could be conscious for it. But, so I had a emergency C-section and, um, when my son came out, he wasn't, he didn't cry for a while Mm -hmm. and he wasn't, um, breathing right on his own. So they thought that they might have to take him to the NICU, um, so, I didn't get to hold him right away, um, but thankfully, the nurses decided that they would let my husband hold him and see if his breathing um, steadied before taking him to the NICU. Um, so, miraculously, when my husband held um, my son, he started breathing okay, so they didn't have to take him to the NICU, so I was happy wow. about that. Yeah. Um <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty scary for a little bit, but he started crying and everything was good. But unfortunately, they took him to the nursery right away, so I um, didn't get to hold him for probably two and a half hours or so until I was back in the the recovery room. So um, his birth was... Pretty crazy. Um, I would have to say I definitely wasn't prepared at the time. I kind of felt like my pregnancy was taken from me. It just kind of felt like it was all over so quickly.
0: I asked Faith next if she could tell me how she was doing emotionally then in the weeks and months after having her baby.
2: Yeah, so emotionally... After I had Gabe, uh, when we were in the hospital, you know, I was doing really well and excited to have a new baby, Um, but at the same time, there's this big stigma about C-sections, I think, and a lot of times, I think people look at C-sections as the easy way out or um, the mom didn't really go through labor and... All those types of things. And so a big part of me um, was really disappointed in myself for not being able to do it naturally um, Mm -hmm. and kind of feeling like maybe I was betrayed a little bit by my body, per se. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was really difficult because even, you know, in your birthing classes, the whole really a premise of the birthing class is you have to do anything you can not to have a c-section and that's just kind of how everyone's feeling is which is good Um, and you know if I didn't have to have one I wouldn't have but um, I think that made my emotions a lot different afterwards because again I couldn't you know lift a lot of things I could hardly you know lift my son. Um, -hmm. and so that was, that was really difficult to not be able to do everything that you would think you'd be able to do if you had, um, the child, you know, naturally. So that was really difficult, uh, to handle. And I think it didn't necessarily hit me that I was feeling that way about having a C-section until maybe Mm -hmm. a few weeks after he was born. Um, yeah. and I think it was hard too, because my husband was so, um, excited about our new baby, which was wonderful, but it was our first one. And I think sometimes it was forgotten that, you know, I was also in recovery too. And, um, a lot of times everyone's all about the baby and they kind of forget about the mom and what she's going through, um. Yeah. So that was that was a difficult time for me because I did just have a major surgery and sometimes yeah. I felt like that was forgotten. Yeah, yeah, totally. Wow, did it did, How long did you like feel like you were in recovery for? Um well, really I kind of had to just um Suck it up a little bit after the yeah. first two weeks or so, because yeah. um, we had just recently moved to Nevada and we didn't have mm-hmm. really many family or friends here. And so
3: yeah. once
2: my mom my mom came out for two weeks, but once she mm-hmm. left, I was just home with the baby. So mm-hmm. it was almost like I didn't even really get to recover because it was yeah. you know I just had I just had to take care of the baby and um, mm-hmm. so it didn't really matter necessarily how I was feeling because that's just what I had to do. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I think what really, really got me out of like my recovery or, um, all the emotions I was dealing with was mm-hmm. going, going to work. Um, oh, wow! cause I think up until that point, You know, I was. It was just me and my son because I didn't have any friends in town either. So Mm -hmm. really what brought me out of things was finally, you know, being able to go to work and, you know, have that outside connection.
0: I really related to how Faith felt like she had no time to recover. I felt the same way, but for me, I guess it was sort of split up. Because I had that initial experience after my son was born and my daughter was still a toddler, and I just felt so needed all the time. And then it was a couple months later when I had my appendectomy that even though I was given so much help practically, I felt like I had no space emotionally in which to recover. It's actually kind of crazy to think Faith had both those things at the same time. I asked her next, had she received from her doctor any postpartum screenings at all?
2: Um, The only screenings I had was my um, two, like, postpartum um, appointments after having my son. Um, I just had, each time they gave me a paper to fill out, and... Just say kind of your emotions and everything, but mm-hmm. I would say those weren't necessarily effective because mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't think I ever really put that I was dealing with anything mm-hmm. on there because mm-hmm. I just didn't think it was a huge deal. And mm-hmm. um, even when I took gave to his uh, appointments, his well child appointments, his doctor mm-hmm. would even ask me. Um, how I was doing and even if I wasn't doing okay I just said I was doing okay because I don't know that's just why would you tell them all your emotions (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah totally totally
0: I had a similar experience here too where my doctors were very good about getting me screened and probing me about my mental state But I was holding it together pretty well and kind of tricking myself into thinking I'm feeling fine. And I would honestly get good scores on the screenings. So I don't know what could change there. Is there a more effective way than filling out a questionnaire to evaluate your mood? I don't know. I asked Faith how she and her husband talked about her postpartum or if he picked up on what was going on emotionally for her.
2: Yeah, so um, as far as my emotions go, um, I really feel like my husband was there to help me, but he, like I had stated before, he was so helpful with our son, and he um, was all about our son, which was great, but I think it was hard for him to recognize what was going on with me. Um yeah. because he, you know, was all with all about the baby, which is great, um, but it took a few months for things to really get difficult to where I finally sat down with him and told him, you know, that things are going on and I'm not always happy and it's because I feel like I've been forgotten um mm-hmm. when we had our son. And so it really did take me actually sitting down with him and telling him, um, you know, that I still needed some attention too. And once I actually had the courage to tell him everything, then things changed pretty automatically. Um, Once he was made aware um, that he kind of needed to split his time a little bit more um, between Mm -hmm. my son and I, he, you know, really was able to cater to my needs a lot more once she was aware of them.
0: Wow. So for Faith, a big piece for helping her move forward through postpartum was just getting on the same page with her husband and her husband receiving that. I then asked Faith if in this case she thought she had some sort of mild postpartum depression or would she call it just baby blues or how would she describe it?
2: So I would definitely say that I probably had some sort of mild um, postpartum depression, um, especially because I kept going through the emotions of, well, what would it have felt like if I could have um, had a birth process to where, you know, I really labored and, you know, I got to meet my child and hold him right away. Like there was a lot of regret going on because I felt like, well, am I ever going to feel that emotion like everyone else gets because I didn't even get a hold of my son for a few hours. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I have a history of um, situational depression um, from my earlier years from mm-hmm. coming from an uh, abusive household. And so... Mm-hmm the fact that I had some experience already with knowing what depression felt like, mm-hmm. um, it was easier for me to identify it when it was happening to me um, when my son was born.
0: I just had one final question for Faith. How are you do- How are you doing now? Like, ha- you're going to have another baby, and how are you doing now?
2: Yeah, um, so I think I'm doing... Really well now, um of course, with parenting, there's the good days and bad days um, mm-hmm. but I think I'm doing good. I'm just definitely nervous for the second one, um because my whole goal with the second one is to be able to do a v back um if possible, mm-hmm. and so yeah. be able to do it naturally this next time, and so I am worried what I'm going to feel like if I'm not able to do it again, Um, Mm because I think one thing that helped with my son was the hope that I'll have more kids someday and um, I will be able to labor and have a child naturally. Um, And so I think if I have this child and I have to have the C-section again, i really feel like the second time around going to be more difficult because it, it's almost solidifying me for the rest of my life if I have another c-section that they'll always be that way. So mm-hmm. um, the fear of having to process that makes me kind of nervous for the, the second one coming along.
0: I thought this was super mature of faith that while she was pregnant with her second She was already looking ahead, somewhat hopefully, somewhat fearfully, but sort of bracing herself for how she might feel if she had to have another C-section. Like she'd said earlier, it's not the end-all be-all to birth a baby naturally, but it's still something she desired, that anyone would probably really desire, and she knew herself and how hard it might be. Well... This interview took place a few months ago, and just last week, Faith had her baby girl, and she did have a V-back. Pretty cool. Okay, I've got one more interview for you. It's super quick, and it's kind of cool because it's just kind of different. She's not a mom. She's a young person. But she has a mom who had postpartum. And when she told me that, I was like, I'm interested in that perspective, so let's sit down and chat. Ines is cool. She looks very much like Rue from Hunger Games, almost exactly like her. I started off asking her when did she come to know about her mom's postpartum depression. How did you come to know that your, str- your mom was struggling with postpartum depression? Was it like when you were a kid that you realized something was different, or was it later in life that she told you about it?
3: So for me, it was more later in life. Um, but I think through experience, not necessarily through conversations I had with my mom. So after my younger brother was born, my younger brother is a year and a half younger than me, um, My the birth was very, very traumatic. My mother almost died. My younger brother almost died as well. Um, and my mom ended up needing a hysterectomy. Part of her dealing with postpartum came from the fact that she had always wanted a big family. Um, She always wanted to have lots of kids. And I think as I got older um, and more mature, sometimes my mom would make passing comments about um, her sense of loss or sadness about not being able to have more kids of her own. Um, I knew that the reason why my parents became foster parents was because they wanted to adopt more kids. Um, So yeah, I think it was something I came to understand later in life, um, and then the more I began to understand mental health, I kind of connected the dots more so and had com- like adult conversations with my mom about her experience with mental health.
0: I asked her, in those conversations with her, did her mom talk about her symptoms, or did she talk about how she got help with it, or did she get help with it? Did she know?
3: You know, I don't actually know the answer to that. I think that, um, I guess just in my opinion, when my mom was going through postpartum depression and the sense of loss of a family that she wanted, there wasn't a ton of resources, or there wasn't a ton of resources that she knew about. Um, and there is a pretty big stigma at the time um, for dealing with postpartum, so I don't I don't even know um, how much help she sought out. I think that if she had gone through it now, it would have been a very different experience and a much better experience, healthier experience. I do know, though, that she had um, several close women friends um, and a sister who I think she shared with um, about what was going on, but I think that at the time, there was just this real sense of shame about going through, um, yeah, going through postpartum depression, and, yeah, it just wasn't really even well-researched at the time.
0: Yeah, when, like, what years and, were that, in, like, the 80s, 90s?
3: Yeah, yeah. so it would had been, um, early 90s. My brother was born in 96, okay. so right around, probably up until 2000. And um, obviously the ramifications sometimes go further than that.
0: I asked Innes, how would you want to encourage men and women who have had a mom who had a mental illness, specifically postpartum depression and anxiety? What would you want to say to them?
3: Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think obviously a lot depends on your age and... um, where you're at, um, but I think a really important thing is not to try and take the problem or the issue upon yourself, um, but just to recognize that this is a part of your life right now, and but you're you're still just the child, you're still just the daughter, just the son, and so it's not your job to to fix the problem, but just to love in the best ways that you can. Um, I think that doing your research and knowing um about mental illnesses is really important just to have an awareness of this is why mom or dad is acting in this or that way and it's not out of a lack of love or a lack of um like desire to be a good parent or it's not out of any of those things but rather it's out of like a legitimate deficiency in your brain a legitimate um physical issue um yeah so I think having that understanding um paired with just like allowing yourself to be be compassionate towards that um and yeah I mean it's definitely tough for sure I'd say how
0: have you changed I guess how have you changed through it do you do you feel like you've grown in in a lot of ways I mean just your mom like telling you about it because you're quite young or are you like, like three to five. Three
3: to five, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Even, yeah, I guess two to, maybe two to six. Yeah.
0: Um,
3: As I've gotten older, I've noticed the ways that um, even more than postpartum depression, my mom's inability to have more of her own kids has carried through her adult life in a lot of different ways. And I also think the lack of resources and ability for her to get concrete help um, has just, as I've learned about mental health, um, and had my own struggles and breakthroughs with my own mental health, I think just, it's helped me to understand my mom better, um, and as I've begun to understand her better, I've just been able to be better friends with her, um, to communicate with her better, and, just, like, understand where she's coming from more often. Um, Yeah, I think it's also helped me in, um, I do a lot of ministry work, and it's helped me to understand those that I've worked with that have also experienced different mental illnesses. Um, Help me to know how to love them and know where they're coming from.
0: I knew Ines had mentioned she's involved in ministry. So as a final question, I asked her what role, if any, did she think faith and prayer played in to her mom's recovery from postpartum?
3: Yeah, my mom is very faithful. I think that, um, so this community I was talking about was a faith-based community. um, And I think, I mean, I think that was her only resource to help. Um, So their listening ears and encouragement were a huge part of my mom coming through postpartum depression, coming through this sense of loss. And, um, she's continued to remain very faithful and has a a daily prayer life. Um, and I think that that's always really allowed her to abandon even the most difficult situations, um, to the Lord, to her heavenly father. And, not to feel necessarily all the pressure of, I have to figure this out all on my own. Um, And faith offers a deeper purpose to our suffering.
0: Even though I had only heard about Innes' mom's postpartum secondhand through her, this interview still really pierced me to the heart because I have a three-year-old daughter and I'm a mom who has had postpartum depression. And I wonder what she's going to say about me when she's 20 years old. How will she remember it? Mental illness can be so wounding. And it can take so much to fix relationships when they're broken. I'm so glad to have gotten help and to see my daughter and I's relationship so strong. But it really is that thought of how she'll look back on this time that keeps driving me more than just about anything. Talking to these women renewed in me the desire to make sure I keep getting the help I need, to keep going and seeking, keep getting in there and finding some answers. Because this postpartum affects not only me, not only my family even, But the broader community, we're all involved and touched. So, I needed help from that community. I needed to talk to someone who knew a little bit more about where this comes from and how to heal. I'm an amateur. I needed to talk to an expert. But that is next time on Mental.